Okay, hey, let's get started. It's 5.30 on the dot. Uh, and Thursday, the 12th of November. Um, we got another, hopefully, another good episode coming your way. Uh, before we get started, uh, as always, I want to start off by saying thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all the supporters. Thank you to everybody that takes time out of their day to listen to my jabbering and uh, listen to my, my thoughts streaming on... Uh, how I view the world and how I see things working and how I uh, sort of perceive the way that, that certainly I can get better but you know maybe maybe some of you can as well if you uh, you know identify with some of the things that I'm saying and they resonate with you so anyway I, I want to say thank you for the continued support and thank you for those uh, those listens and that feedback it really means a lot I was uh thinking this morning it's it's interesting because i do this thing and i do these recordings you know first thing in the morning um usually i wake up you know whatever make some coffee kind of get my thoughts together get my little morning shake going on and when i come and and sort of hit the record button uh these are the first words out of my mouth for the day so it's interesting um, to me because you know we go through the day uh, we have interactions with people we have um, you know dialogue with people we have thoughts throughout the day um, you will hit flow states you won't hit flow states you'll accomplish things you won't accomplish things uh, but it's always it just struck me as as one of those things on, on the days that I record this hour of, of jabbering on is are the the first words that come at have come out of my mouth for that day in all likelihood you know outside of maybe like telling the dog to get outside or something to that effect but even with that generally speaking it's like these are the, the first time i'm exercising my voice and so it was just this weird sort of you know uh esoteric thought or eccentric thought that kind of came screaming through my mind that it was like from silence from nothing from just being thoughts in my head that suddenly there's things in the world uh, and it's uh, the first thing that happens and then it becomes this thing that you know I'll, I'll publish and, and other people will listen to throughout the day and maybe take action on and or maybe not uh, and it kind of hit me that you know this this might be the same thing you know, for, for really for anything, right? Before we went and did whatever it was we were going to do, you know, it wasn't there. Anytime before you create something, before you created that thing, you know, it didn't exist. And then you went, you, you made some moves, you painted, you know, put some paint on a, on a canvas, welded some pieces of metal together, wrote a memo, wrote some words on a paper, whatever it was, and sort of breathed life into a thing that now exists in the world. I don't know, maybe it's just uh, a, a moment of, uh, of fantasy, but I just it struck me as interesting. How does that relate today? I don't know. It was pretty non-sequitur, but I just figured I'd share anyway. Um, it's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks, right? With the uh, with the elections, uh, and really a crazy couple of weeks. It's been a crazy year, honestly. Let's let's just put that out there. Ever since you know what February, March time frame, with COVID going in, and then we had um, you know the huge Black Lives Matter protests, and you know George Floyd incident, and and all of these crazy things you know leading up to uh, the election and now we're still kind of in the in the midst of that quagmire as far as um, you know or do we have a new president don't we is you know obviously going to be some legal battles going on and everything that's that is what it is and I've been sort of I try to steer away from 
uh, getting too involved in in politics and stuff like that. Certainly on on this on this show, it's not really what this show is about. But obviously, things happen in the world, right? Things are things happen, and it affects the way that we live, right? Regardless on which side of the aisle you find yourself, regardless on which side of a of a of a given topic you find yourself, these things exist in the world. These conflicts exist in the world. These disputes exist in the world. And we can't help but to find ourselves to have having some sort of opinion about them. And, you know, taking a side or not uh, being open-minded as far as like, you know, maybe there's not just a, a, a black and white solution here. There's, you know, if we're someone that views the world in a more cognizant and cognitive way... Uh, we we recognize that there's nuance, right? Like, not every <clears throat> excuse me, not every uh, Trump supporter is a Nazi, and not every uh, Biden supporter is you know a socialist, right? Like, that's just not how that works. There's there's nuance, there's gray areas. Humans are messy, right? But the inevitability is that there's conflict. And so that's kind of like what I think I'm going to talk about today is, is this, the, this idea that conflict happens, right? And how we deal with that conflict really has a great impact as, as everything, right? Just like how we view the world, just like how we um, communicate with each other, how we deal with and manage conflict, both in our personal lives and our professional lives, as leaders, as followers, as peers, um, has a huge impact on not only our, our mental health, but our overall success in an organization and the organization's success as well as success in the family unit, uh, how, you know, to, to the extreme of what sort of life lessons and worldview are we passing on to our children based on how we deal with conflict. Uh, there's this great quote that I read. I've been reading this book for a little while now, and this one I've actually been reading. It's an actual, like, you know, paper, hardbound paper book uh, that's called Becoming a Conflict Competent Leader. It's by Craig Rund and Tim Flanagan. Uh, and I picked this book up. I went through, so I spent some time as an equal opportunity advisor. I spent about two years as an equal opportunity advisor. And uh, during that time, I was afforded the great opportunity to go to the Justice Center of Atlanta and become a certified and get certified as a mediator. Um, and I, I was actually, I was also able to go back and go through um, not just the, the basic course, but the advanced course as well. And if you have ever gone through mediation or know anyone that, that is a mediator, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because what you do as a mediator is you, know, you deal with two people, two parties that are in conflict, and you try to come to a mutually agreed upon resolution with that, right? And this is everything from um, you know, workplace disputes to divorce to child uh, custody issues to um, uh, landlord tenant issues to even you know uh, domestic violence issues like everything right in in Georgia specifically I, I lived there for a while I no longer live there but in Georgia specifically any civil matter has to first go through mediation and this is a way that Georgia, who is, is, was actually the uh, sort of the founder of what they call alternative dispute resolution, and they really sort of pioneered the process of mediation and the process of alternative dispute resolution, which also includes like arbitration and stuff like that. But the Justice Center of Atlanta there, they do a fantastic job. Shout out to Justice Center of Atlanta. They do a fantastic, fantastic job of both a conducting mediations, real world mediations for civil cases, uh, as well as host a training program that 
you know, they have all, all different courses to get certified in, both in just basic general mediation as well as things like uh, domestic disputes, uh, special education, um, you know, workplace stuff, housing development stuff, all these, all these different sort of niche areas that really require a nuanced view of that particular issue. So the, the process of mediation is you get two people that are in two parties that are in conflict and you help them come to a, a mutually agreed upon resolution that sort of works towards everybody it's it's getting consensus right you're not necessarily you know one party isn't getting everything they want and the other party's just getting shafted right i mean hopefully not uh, as a mediator you can recuse yourself if you see something like that happening and you're unable to help them resolve it uh, but what's interesting is that as a mediator what you're not doing is sort of like providing the answer right you're trying to help these parties come up with the answer on their own and so this quote that i was going to get at um it's by a, a gentleman that says max it's, his name is max lucado and what he says was uh, conflict is inevitable but combat is optional and i it that that really struck a chord with me because you know during during my time as, as a equal opportunity advisor i dealt with a lot of people in conflict and these are you know, hot button issues, right? Generally speaking, there are things that are revolving around, um, you know, race, color, uh, national origin, religion, uh, sex, sexual orientation, um, as well as things like treatment of persons. What does that mean? Like harassment, bullying, those sorts of things. And so uh, those are those are some pretty personal, emotionally charged hot button issues. Um, and as a mediator, you know, my job was to stay, you know, totally neutral in the situation, regardless of what happened, unless like, and if I couldn't, then, you know, as a, as a professional, it was my job as well to sort of recuse myself of that situation and go find somebody else that could, that could handle it. I never really ran into that situation. Um, but what was fascinating about that work is, it's this idea that like, I am not supposed to be there to, or I'm not there to solve the issue. But what I am there to do is to help people that two parties that are in conflict, recognize the heart of that matter, and work together, those two people or those however many people are involved, work together towards a, a resolution. And oftentimes what that is, is just needing a better understanding of each other. Um, I, uh, I I mediated this one case where uh, there was a, a gentleman that was giving a course on um, just some legal matters uh, to a group of people, and he, you know, made this offhanded comment that basically uh, made a few people in the audience feel as though he was saying that all the problems in the world are because Christians came in. And just wanted to control and dominate everything and ruin everybody's life. And um, you know, there were some there were some Christians in the crowd, and they absolutely felt some kind of way about that. And one of them came up to me and uh, and asked to you know to do a formal complaint uh, against that person that that was giving that uh, that particular uh, class. So we got them in the room um, and the way that that process works is, you know, oftentimes someone will do want to do a formal complaint. Um, I always ask for the opportunity instead of to just start the paperwork and start the investigations. Um, and, and that's the right. But I always ask for the opportunity to uh, bring the parties in and, and mediate this case to see if we can't come with with sort of lowest level person to person work through our conflict eye to eye. Um, and open up those lines of communication in an honest way instead of um, going forward and bringing in a lot of investigators. And if that's the route that you want to go, hey, that's the route you want to go. No, you know, it is what it is. You're entitled to that. Uh, and even after the mediation, if it doesn't work, um, there's no resolution or anything like that. And you want to go forward with a formal complaint. And OK, you know, you're entitled to that, too. You can still do that. 
but I, I always felt and, and, and I was successful in, um, I always felt that once you get people together and get people actually talking that come from two different sides of this issue, then oftentimes, especially with conflict, right? Communication is so important. And the way that we communicate with each other is so important. The way that we um, self-regulate and our, our levels of emotional intelligence really sort of drive what it is that is is leading towards conflict and towards exacerbating that conflict or towards resolving it, right? Like if we, communication is the most important thing toward to any anything, right? To success uh, in business, to success in your personal relationships, to, you know, hailing down a cab, right? You want to hail down a cab, you need to be able to, to, to be heard. Uh, and that person needs to listen, right? So, the the problem though is that communication is you know nine times out of ten maybe ten times out of ten I don't know the first thing to break down in any organization in any relationship and and certainly in any situation in which there's conflict especially when that conflict is emotionally charged the first thing to break down is communication and you know we see it we see it in in on on the news we see it these you know the protests that are going on and the demonstrations that are going on there's two sides to every conflict right and you know the there's there's a couple of different um definitions out there of of what conflict is and one of them that you know has has been out there was basically you know conflict is conflict is um you know two parties that are at odds with each other um that as you know apparently um un unsolvable disagreements with each other right like they're at odds with each other their views are incompatible that was the word i was looking for the views are um, or whatever are incompatible with each other, and therefore this is what's causing conflict. And and that's you know I, I could see that right. Like that's if I have a worldview or an ideology or a, a, an opinion on something, uh, a thought that some you know this is how things are supposed to be done, and that's incompatible with the way that somebody else thinks that they should be done or their worldview or whatever. Obviously that's going to cause a point at which we clash the issue though is that we all live here together right you're in that relationship with that other person together you're working in that building in that office in that organization with those other people together and if something is incompatible is it truly incompatible or is it only apparently incompatible is it seemingly incompatible and even if it is are there ways in which we can come to some sort of better understanding of each other and find some mutual ground somewhere or at least some way to set the differences aside so that we can move forward with the important work that needs to be done i have found generally that's yes and generally, that's yes, because it comes down to a point of communication. So going back to that, the uh, uh, case that I was, I was speaking about. So I was able to get these two uh, gentlemen in a room together. And, you know, generally speaking, the way that mediation works is you've got, hey, you go, you know, whoever the sort of aggrieved party is. Um, we'll speak first. They'll kind of do their opening statements, right? It's like opening statements from both parties, starting with the person that, that um, was aggrieved. Uh, and then we'll go into a joint session. The joint session will go until there comes a point at which um, there becomes maybe like an impasse, right? As far as getting towards, working towards a resolution. Or if the air becomes so hostile so as to 
um, you know, be on the brink of maybe someone walking away, maybe violence, maybe something else, uh, we'll do what's called a caucus. Uh, and that's where, as a mediator, I would take one of the parties, go have a private conversation with them in another room or away from the other party. And then I would switch and do the same with the other so as to, you know, not not be one-sided and, and keep it truly neutral. Uh, and once that is, we come back to the joint session. Uh, we talk about whatever it is we're going to talk about. We work towards a resolution. We draw up the draft. That's super broad strokes how it works, right? Well, uh, in the in the mediation that I did with those gentlemen, what it came down to was, you know, they were sort of... The, the person that gave the class didn't realize that the impact of his words were not meeting the intent of his words. And, you know, he was saying that, like, he was a Christian. He regularly attends church, this, that, and the other. And he's not disparaging um, Christians as a, as, a, as a class, as a demographic of people, but rather looking at the history, just sort of acknowledging in a realistic way what has happened and who it was that did it based on you know evangelicals based on puritans based on blah 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 these sorts of historical events but the way that it came across was that um you know he was coming across as though he was blaming all christians and the people in the audience didn't didn't have any context to it and the words that he was saying had a certain impact so as to cause an emotional reaction and that's it's important to recognize that our words, especially when it comes to hot button issues, especially when it comes to, to communication conflict, effective communication, right? Our words, words have meaning and communication has subtext. Communication has impact that goes well beyond intent. You know, whatever it is that I'm actually saying can be taken in so many different ways as a, as a, just a, an easy example. And this is not even really it, but just the way that words can be twisted. You look at the old school who, uh, who's on first, you know, Laurel and Hardy bit, right? Like that's just, Hey, I'm trying to explain this person, this batter's on first base and this batter and this batter's on second base. Their names are who and what, and it's just it causes this whole big confusion because I don't understand what you're saying or I'm misinterpreting what it is you're saying uh, because we're just talking past each other. Another example is looking at even individual words like um, I, I often use the word spring as, a, as, a, as an example of this. Spring has something like 13 different meanings, the word. I mean, we, we can talk about a spring as in a spring in a machine. Uh, that launches something or causes something to flex and tense and tension. We could talk about spring as in a source of water, a well, a wellspring. We could talk about spring as in um, the season. We could talk about, you know, we can use it in different contexts. I sprang into action, right? And so you can see how even just a single word, depending on how you use it, changes meaning based on context. Well, if I don't have context or... If the person that I'm trying to communicate with doesn't have context of what it is I'm, I'm saying and or um, what I'm saying isn't being articulated well, then this is where, uh, you know, conflict can arise. And so once we get once I got them in the room, we got to talking and, uh, you know, there was one point at which the, the person that had taken offense, um, the complainant, uh, you know, sort of was was talking about how these things made him feel, right? The things that were said, what they, how they made him feel, and you know how the behavior of the person that gave the class was affecting them. And I think that's super important when it comes to conflict resolution and just dealing with conflict in general. Is and, and he did it just like as, as a natural response, which is great because it really shows a level of emotional intelligence and a level of, you know, self-awareness and, and self-regulation that is, is unfortunately not super common these days. But when it comes to addressing conflict and addressing grievances, 
and addressing things that have caused an emotional response, it's so important to address the behavior and not attack the person, right? Very rarely, if ever, should we be attacking the the other side of a conflict as a person. And because this is exactly when things devolve into madness. This is exactly when we lose sight of the issue and we start just slinging insults at each other, you know, like, like fucking children, um, as, as adults, certainly, but, you know, we can also build this in our children so that they're not those, you know, schoolyard bullies or whatever. But when we are addressing a behavior and we're using sort of like I statements, right? We're addressing a behavior, hey, um, when this behavior happened or when I uh, heard the words that were said, you know, I felt that um, the message being conveyed was very anti-Christian. And I felt the message that was being conveyed was, was derogatory towards X, right? And you can even say, you know, when when you did this behavior, when this behavior was exhibited, uh, this is how it affected me. This is how that behavior affected me. When Whatever it is, easy stuff like, uh, hey, when I come home and uh, the house is a mess, this is, this is how it affects me. Or, hey, uh, when you come home and you're, you know, you're just, you're yelling at everybody, this is, this is how that affects us, right? As opposed to, um, you know, you're fucking lazy, you're an asshole, you're fucking, uh, you know, you obviously are whatever. Uh, when we start attacking the person and we start attacking their character rather than addressing the behavior, all that does is to help drive that conflict and exacerbate that conflict further because obviously like instantly that other party is going to get defensive and start lobbying counter accusations, right? There's a, there's a joke out there, right? Deny, deflect, make counter accusations as, as a, as a, sorry, you know, sort of the, the most base rate, non-productive way of dealing with situations. But, uh, but that's how, that's how a lot of people do it. They'll deny, you know, deny what, what was done, uh, deflect in the sense of make you know and make counter accusations well you know I may have done that but you always do this or uh, yeah I did it but that's only because this other person had already done it and we didn't seem to have a problem with that like that, that's not productive right that's not going to get after um, getting at the root and source of the conflict and then working together to get a a positive productive way to get past it if if all we're doing is lobbing insults then that's not addressing anything and in fact that's that's probably going to make it worse because not only are we not addressing it now but now we've created a a hostile situation that just like bakes in animosity Right. And now it's like we wonder why the relationships, whether they're personal or professional, take a nosedive after an interaction like that. I mean, we shouldn't, honestly. And so we see this even, you know, if you, you look at the news and you see this stuff in the streets where people are just yelling at each other, they're, they're talking past each other. They're not talking to or with each other. They're talking past each other. They're talking at each other, right? And it's because there's they're not communicating effectively and they're not doing it in, in an honest way that is first sort of steeped in, you know, a, a little bit of emotional intelligence, right? We t when we talk about emotional intelligence, by and large, um, you know, we're talking about things like self-awareness. We're talking about things... Um, like uh, uh, self-regulation, empathy, uh, social, pro-social skills, uh, uh, strengths of character, connection, mental agility, 
optimism. Those those are all sort of things that, that revolve the, around uh, emotional intelligence. But the two big ones, well, the three real big ones um, that truly can like lead someone down that path are self-awareness, right? So you're, you know what, what it is you're feeling, you know, why it is you're feeling that, you know what your triggers are, uh, you can sense where, whatever emotion it is, whether it's anger or elation, where that's coming from. You can identify it, you can deal with it, uh, and then comes self-regulation. And that's where you can, now you've identified what it is that you're feeling, where it's coming from, what's causing you to feel that way. And now you can control that emotion in the sense of like, when I, when I say you're controlling it, I'm not saying that you're repressing it. You're not suppressing it or repressing it at all. You, you still allow for emotion, right? It's unhealthy to not allow for emotion, but what you're not doing is allowing that emotion to control you or to control the interaction that you're having with this other person, right? And that doesn't mean that maybe crying doesn't happen or anger doesn't happen, frustration, or on the other side, you know, over-exuberance and, and giddiness and stuff like that. Have it, man. Be a, be a three-dimensional person. Have emotions. Have feelings. Uh, and express them. But express them in a way that's productive for the given situation, right? So it's like if you're at work... Um, just having, you know, crying outbursts and anger outbursts and things of that nature. Um, and even like, you know, hysterical laughter, you know, maybe it's not appropriate for the workplace. We're all adults. Maybe we have to be professionals in a certain environment. But that doesn't mean that you can't have those emotions and you can at least express them. Um, uh, certainly if it's appropriate and you're addressing a point of conflict, right? And so that last one that I was the last of the big three um, is is empathy, right? Are you able to at least understand the other person's position and kind of see it from their side? And this is one of those crucial things when it comes to conflict resolution is listening to understand, right? So when we talk about conflict resolution, we talk about communication, we talk about getting past differences the only way to truly be able to work towards the path of getting past differences is if both sides or at least you know one side sometimes you got to be first um, takes the step to legitimately try to understand the other person's point of view and you know maybe that's not always going to be something that that certainly it doesn't mean that you have to agree with it right it doesn't listening to understand doesn't mean that you're listening to try to take on that view and you're trying to be swayed to that side that's not that's not the point of it the point isn't that i'm going to suddenly change my mind and espouse your view the point is that i can i can at least intellectually understand where it is you're coming from and where it is that that logical path took you and why it is you know whatever whatever the issue is whether it's how you know it's a task related issue as far as how to do a certain you know a, a certain memo format or something whatever a certain report style or a way that we insert data or whatever stupid thing it might be to hot button social political issues like abortion right like some people are anti-abortion and it's because of whatever their religious views are and that's a very real thing and some people are excuse me are pro-abortion and pro-choice and that's based on their social issues social views and their their values and that is also a very real thing and neither of those are necessarily you know more right than the other one like we who whatever side you take obviously that's the side you took so you you believe that that is the right way to do things but understanding the other side can at least help you humanize that person and understand that this person isn't just some, you know, just because they have a, a, a different view than you on a, on a given issue doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make them like a bad person that now you're in conflict with and it's this good versus evil, light versus dark, whatever. 
kind of situation, but rather it's simply a person that has a different socialization process they've gone through, right? They've had a different upbringing, their values, attitudes, beliefs are different than yours. And they're allowed that. They're allowed that because they're a person, they have personhood, they're, they're another human existing in the world. And if we can do better at understanding each other, and we can do better at that initial sort of what it is, what is it that led you to believe what it is you believe, you know, and, and not just believe in the sense of religious theocratic belief, um, but belief in the sense of, uh, you know, how the world should operate right uh there's a there's a thing that we talk about in resiliency training uh, icebergs right and and those of those of us that have gone through through some of this training sometimes we laugh at it um but it's true in the sense of if you picture an iceberg what you see above the water right that classic image of this giant iceberg where it's just the tip has broken broken the surface breached the surface of the water and then there's this whole giant you know continent sized piece of ice below the surface well what we see on the top are behaviors right what's above that that water line as far as the iceberg goes is what there's the behaviors that are displayed the actions that people take um the 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 way that they operate in the world and this is a reflection of their values this is a reflection of their attitudes you can't see an attitude you can see behaviors you can't see a value you can see behaviors and so this is what you see but what's below the surface and what dwells with inside a person is everything that's made them who they are the socialization right their background their history their upbringing um, the the events that have occurred in their life the their religious beliefs their social economic status their intelligence levels their um, drives all of those things that all feed into making them who they are and one big piece of that is the way that they view how the world should work right like when we get at what an iceberg is it's like if i have a problem with someone lying and i get angry at that um, it's not so much that I'm angry that they didn't tell me the truth, but I'm, it angers me because I have a worldview whereby I believe people should be honest with each other and should operate in an honest way. And this comes from my upbringing. I mean, as a kid, I used to lie my ass off and I would get in some serious trouble with it or for it. And you know that sort of instilled a lesson that lying is not okay and as i got older i started seeing the neg the very serious negative ramifications of lies some could argue that the reason that we entered into the iraq war was based on lies right and that's that's causing thousands and thousands of lies some argue that um and so for me you know, that's one of those things where people should be honest with each other. People ought to exchange with one another in an honest and open and upfront way rather than trying to deceive and trick and con uh, and be a grifter and those sorts of things because that is inherently bad and it's inherently being a detriment to society and a detriment to other people and potentially ruining people's lives. And so that becomes an iceberg. But all, me, all that you might see on the surface is the behavior of me getting angry at, at catching someone in a lie. And so you see how, you know, me being angry might make someone perceive me as like, oh, he's the angry guy. Like, no. If we dig, dig a little deeper, you'll find that what the problem is is actually that I'm angry that a person isn't going to be a good person to other people right like isn't they're not trying to help in fact they're trying to hurt and so when we see hot button issues and we're in conflict with other people if we have a little empathy and we start to engage in conversations and not asking why questions right we're not saying why do you believe that generally speaking uh when it comes to engaging with other people when we ask things like why do you believe that 
thing that you believe or why are you going to go do that thing that you're going to go do it comes off very judgmental right and then that only that instantly puts up a lot of people's um, defenses I'm going to do it because that's what I want to do or I believe that because that's what I believe go away as opposed to a question of how or what which is a much broader question and leaves it more open-ended right how is it that you came to that conclusion it's basically the same question of why do you believe what you believe how is it that you came to that conclusion how is it that you came to that belief what is it that's driving that belief what is it that's driving you to take that action what are the causes behind what's the background behind that how do we think this is going to end you know those sorts of things um how is that going to benefit anybody how you know what is it that's that's going to uh, enable us to do whatever whatever right instead of you know why are we doing this because like a, a piss poor leader might be like because i said so but if you ask a question of uh you know what are the reasons behind this or or what were the the steps that led to this decision or how is this going to benefit people? You know, a piss porn leader might still tell you to go fuck yourself, but <laughs> generally speaking, that, that becomes a broader question and allows us to dig deeper and allows us to get at the heart of situations. You know, and not every not every little tiff that people have with each other needs to be this whole drawn out, uh, let me get to know you and let me really like get at the heart of everything. But when you talk about ongoing conflict, whether that's in the workplace, whether that's in your relationships, whether that's, you know, with your spouse, your children, your friends, uh, or whether that's, you know, on the national stage, even in these in these protests and uh, demonstrations. If both sides of a conflict, both parties were of a conflict were more open and honest in their engagement with each other and really listening to understand and, and effectively communicating with each other and you know framing their questions not as accusations but truly as a as a means of getting at a level of understanding so that they can also be understood then you know the then the conflicts would would we would be able to deal with those conflicts in a much more productive way. I had a, I had a note here um, about you know avoiding conflict as well, right? So conflict doesn't get better if you if you bury if you take the ostrich route and you bury your hand, head in the sand, right? Conflict also doesn't have to be a negative. However, if you avoid conflict, generally speaking, you know, bad news doesn't get better with time, right? Problems don't just go away. You know, systemic problems or, or deep-seated problems, emotionally charged problems, certainly, but even task-oriented problems, like, they don't just solve themselves. They don't just magically go away. That's not, that's not how stuff works. You have to address conflict head-on. But as we've been talking for the last, you know, 45 minutes or so, um, how you do that matters and how you do that with the way you communicate matters. Um, and ignoring it is is not going to make it better. And in fact, uh, you know, research has shown that when we ignore conflict, not only does that individual conflict get worse, whatever that issue is. But now this sort of normalizes allowing for bad behavior, A, which is entirely counterproductive in all forms and fashions. But then B, it also, become, it also normalizes the fact that we just don't deal with conflict in a productive way, which then will eventually lead to emotions boiling over. And then there's going to be an eruption. And in the worst case, there's going to be violence right people will get like literally physically hurt 
and relationships will get ruined. People, you know, will lose their jobs, what have you. Um, and and that's that's the potentiality from avoiding conflict. So then the other part is that conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's usually through conflict that the best ideas are had, the best solutions are had. When conflict is done in a productive, when conflict management and conflict resolution is conducted in a, in a truly open, honest, and productive way where all parties involved are there to communicate honestly and there to honestly and in good faith work towards a resolution and we don't get mired in our own ideas and we don't get mired in our own ideologies and thinking that the other side is evil and this, that, and the other through conflict and through a conflict of ideas sprouts new ideas and sprouts out of the box ways of getting at solutions and really sort of like manifests itself through the process of working through that problem will manifest itself in potentially beautiful new ideas and solutions and new ways of operating and new ways of viewing the world as long as it's done honestly right conflict can be very very productive extremely productive um i i think i've talked about um eustress before which is the idea that some people there's certain kinds of stress and there's certain people that deal with stress in a very productive manner right in which it drives them to new heights and or pushes them to to do you know new and great and, and unthought of things before this can be the same thing with conflict 100% but it has to be dealt with in a productive manner and it has to both parties or at least one party needs to come into that conflict um, and be first in the sense of I'm trying I'm listening to understand I'm communicating to be understood and I'm open to the idea that um, you know you're on the other side of this conflict you're not evil and or that I might be wrong you know, we, we think of right now because of everything that's going on in the country and around the world um, and how entrenched everybody is in their ideologies. Uh, there's a propensity to think that the other side is automatically evil because they disagree with you. I mean, that might not be the case. Right. And certainly if uh, like if I've taken a, a generalized view of the other side of a conflict and it might be that I'm wrong about that. And it's not that they're all one thing or the other. Like I said, humans are complex creatures, right? We have this big old giant brain that sometimes works against us, but is a beautiful thing and has helped us to reach heights unfathomable. But it's also causes a lot of strife because there's nuance. People aren't just this or just that, right? People are, are nuanced and there's a lot of nuance in character, in action, in thought. And without that as a, as a backdrop to the way that we deal with people and incorporate that idea that there's nuance in everything we do into the idea of now I'm going to come out of a situation with some empathy and really listen to understand the other side then we can't ever get to a point at which resolution can be had. And again, resolution doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with, you know, whatever it is, you know, listening to understand doesn't mean that I agree that uh, a given issue of a given point of conflict is, is right or wrong or a difference of ideas is right or wrong necessarily. It doesn't mean that I have to take that opposing view on. It just means that I should understand it. And I should understand that it comes from a place, uh, generally speaking, I, I would say, you know, overwhelmingly, people don't hold certain views on things because they want the other side to suffer. But rather, they hold views on things that they feel are beneficial towards everybody. They have an ideology that's to them the right way to do things now obviously the there's there's cases in which this can go way off the rails when we talk about hate groups and stuff like that but that's not what we're talking about what we're talking about is that interpersonal inner office sort of 
conflict or, or, or within the relationship. And if we come at those conflicts with that understanding that the other person, it's not that they want anybody to suffer. In fact, quite the opposite. Generally speaking, what what humans want is for themselves, their loved ones, and other humans to prosper, to do well. We just have different ideas about the way that that uh, happens and the, the, you know, the proper way to make that happen. So the last thing I really kind of want to talk about when it comes to all of this stuff is when when dealing with conflict and with dealing um either if you you know if you're a leader and you're dealing with persons in conflict or you're part you're a party to a conflict whatever it may be is that you have to build trust right this is one of the things that has that lasting effect that will stave off conflict in the future as well as help the parties that are involved get through whatever the current conflict is. Like we said in the very beginning of this, this episode, right? Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. Now, when we build trust, we've talked about coming at the communication, you know, from a point of honesty and, and genuineness. We've talked about listening to understand, right? But with that, and when you're listening to understand, when you're allowing space for emotion, especially, um, what we also should be doing is modeling the behavior that we want to see in others, right? So if we're the person that is constantly, you know, allowing our our anger to to boil over, or um, or if we're just, you know, sorrow is just like taken over, and we're crying, or we're super withdrawn and we're actually like withholding information and doing certain passive aggressive things because we're mad at this other person or whatever it might be. That's the behavior that, you know, certainly if you're in a, in a leadership position, but even within, you know, the dynamic of, of, uh, of a couple of a, of a romantic relationship behavior. And, and for whatever reason, it seems like bad behavior that gets displayed and gets exhibited then becomes the model by which the other party takes cue, right? And then that then just becomes this downward spiral of everyone's acting poorly and it's all counterproductive. So it's always okay to be first to model good behavior. It is always okay to be first to model good behavior. And it's always okay to be first to, um, you know, sp speak truth in a positive way and allow for your emotions to be understood and acknowledged and then to get that back, right? It's also always okay to be first to be that positive aspect of whatever conflict there is and looking for uh, the middle ground or looking for the, the ways in which we can understand each other better, right? So that we can get back to that. And it's, of course, always okay um, to be the person that calls out when those things aren't happening, right? And acknowledge, hey, you know, that that anger outburst or that lie that was just told or withdrawing like that or whatever it is, like that's not helpful. It's not helping us get past that this this conflict. And, you know, with that and with with any conflict that's going on, obviously like emotions can run high, especially depending on the issue. Some issues really you know, trigger a lot of emotions in a lot of people and like, that's okay. But as we're engaging with people and as we're trying to get at, you know, root causes or solutions or whatever it is, uh, a thing that we absolutely must do is avoid betraying those vulnerabilities, right? When we talk about counterproductive behaviors, when we talk about uh, just bad behaviors in general and things that are going to perpetuate conflict, certainly betraying trust and betraying someone's vulnerability and somehow using that against them either within this same engagement or later on is a way to just completely demolish any sense of, of well-being, trust, safety, any of that. And if it's in your relationship, that relationship is heading down the toilet. And if it's in the workplace, this is how we build toxic environments within workplaces, right? And this is where when there's no trust and people can't feel that they can come to others with problems, issues, or ideas, <clears throat> excuse me, ideas and solutions, 
then there's no path forward towards progress. There's no path forward towards greatness because trust is one of those things. Trust and communication are those two things that just build that foundation as solid as possible. When those two are really in a, in a place that is um, that is supportive, that is beneficial to everybody, then there's you know you're not going to shake that apart, right? And not without willing willing acts, right? Willful acts that will either betray someone's trust or you start betraying yourself. Uh, the, the the Arbinger Institute uh, wrote a book. I think it's called Leadership and Self Betrayal. <coughs> Self Betrayal. That's something in my throat. I apologize. Um, and they talk about self-betrayal in the sense of um, one, of, one of the examples they give is when, let's say, you know, two people, a couple are, are in bed and a child comes into the room and one person um, basically like knows that they should get up to go help the child, but then says to themselves, well, you know, I worked and the other person didn't or whatever, they should go do that. And I'm just going to sit here and, and not do it and just wait them out. Right. So that becomes a self betrayal because you're acting against what you know is right for you and your truth. Right. And the problem with doing this isn't so much that like a, um, you know, the other person got out of bed and now they're awake and I kind of feel like an asshole. The, the problem is that what this causes is a cognitive dissonance in which your actions aren't reflective of your ideas and your thoughts and your values. And so we as humans will find ways to justify that. And typically the way in which we do that is we start vilifying the other person and it might be small stuff, but it can lead to big stuff. So it might start out as, well, you know, I worked late and they didn't, or, um, you know, they're always just, you know, I'm always the one getting up and she, she or he is lazy. Right. And you start using, you start maybe hurling a small insult out there and you start doing stuff like that. And then that, so you, the self-betrayal that, that one committed, obviously against themselves, now becomes, now causes this cognitive dissonance that causes them to vilify this other person that they, you know, it, maybe it's their spouse. They love this person, right? Supposedly. But this can also happen just in day-to-day work workplace type events um, whereby you know, you don't go help a person even though you know you should or you didn't do a, a part of a project that you know you should have or whatever the case may be. When you act against your own ideas of right and wrong, that causes this dissonance that then, you know, in this unfortunate turn of events, causes you to vilify others unnecessarily. And this begins to erode trust because now you start looking at them in that negative light. And now the engagements that are had are negative, which then causes obviously the other person to, you know, put up their defenses and we start getting, oh man, there's a term for this thing and I can't think of it over my mind. But when you start basically gaslighting somebody, you start getting that uh, behavior back. Or when you start insulting somebody or treating this person poorly and then saying that you're always, you know, this, that or the other negative thing eventually people start reflecting that behavior back and not only that but they start hurling the insults back at you and it just kind of creates this downward spiral this self-licking ice cream cone as we say right that just is no good for anybody and so building trust and uh, not betraying those vulnerabilities and modeling the behavior that you want to see is really some of those ways in which we can Build it into the culture of, you know, whether that's the culture in your own household or that's culture at work or whatever it is that builds a culture of conflict, conflict competence, right? Actions speak louder than words. And while everything has nuance, you know, a, a, a positive, genuine, kind act is, is pretty, is, it can be pretty universal. And when someone's genuinely helpful, you know, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily benefit them. It can benefit them. But the the genuineness of being helpful models that behavior that then gets reciprocated. And now everybody's doing it. And now we're all sort of rowing together, right? And so when it comes time to row harder, 
we're all rowing together already and we go double twice as fast, right? We can go twice as far, twice as fast in half the time because we're all in this together. We've built that trust. We've gotten over our conflicts and now we're, we're achieving greatness, right? So I think I'm going to leave it right there. Um, if you have any thoughts on this, Hey, drop a line, right? Um, you can always, uh, hit me up at, uh, fivepeaksco.com um that's uh our our business website as well as uh, i believe you can leave you know voice messages and stuff like that through the anchor app and whatnot but either way i'd love to hear from you i'd love to hear some thoughts um there's the uh the instagram page uh five peaks podcast on instagram you could always leave a line there uh, you know, leave a line, leave a comment. Let me know what you think about some of these ideas and let me know what you think about, um, some things that, that maybe you'd like to hear me talk about. You know, I, I read a ton of books, uh, constantly, whether that's through consuming them through audible or actual physical books. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily an expert, right? I have going on 20 years of leadership experience, um, as well as just a wealth of knowledge that I've gleaned from, uh, from other experts, I guess you'd say, um, and, and, you know, a, a decently unique perspective on the world, uh, as I, as I like to think anyway, without, without coming off too egotistical or, or tapping into my own hubris. Uh, anyway, I really, I really like this one. I'll probably go on, you know, maybe a little bit more about some other conflict stuff, uh, these topics really fascinate me, and it's it's always interesting to kind of work through some of these uh, so that we can all kind of be better and, and live better lives and live better lives together. We're all in this together. Let's all get in the boat and row a little harder. All right. Hey, thanks again, everybody. I really appreciate your time, and I hope you have a great day. Be well.